So I figure it's about time for a you are here. Some of you, you have, maybe this is your first visit to Cibolo Creek, or you just recently started attending Cibolo, so you're not, really, you're not really sure where we might be in our discussions around here. Some of you, you've been coming here for months and you still don't have any idea where we are in the discussion. Um, but here's, here's just a way to kind of get us all on the same page again. Uh, we committed that in the year 2023, this entire year, we were going to explore one topic. And that was the topic of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And so we've committed, we're going to explore that the entire year from a number of different angles. And the way that we talk about being a disciple here at Jesus is we talk about it in three different dimensions. They're all related to each other, but we're talking about the importance of being with Jesus. And that has the idea of developing a relationship with him and honoring those sorts of practices in our life that allow us to build that relationship with him. Then we talk about it as becoming like Jesus. This is the idea of like his character traits, his values, his passions, um, his habits. Like what was Jesus like? And then asking ourselves the question, am I living my life as a Christian, as a Christ follower in the same ways? And then do what Jesus did. Jesus had a very particular way that he went about expending energy and time, which is the total of how we spend our life. And so we're asking ourselves the question, am I as a Christian doing the kinds of things that I see Jesus, my Savior, my Lord doing? And so we've been exploring uh, for the last five months this idea of being with Jesus. Since January, we've been focused on just that one dimension we started off with the question, how in the world do you have a relationship with someone you can't see, that you can't touch, that you can't hear? But we believe it's possible. And so we explore, how do you have a relationship with Jesus who we can't see? And so we ended up talking a lot about faith and how that works and how it's practical in our life. We also spent a number of weeks looking at different encounters that people had with Jesus in the message of the Gospels. And we looked at these different people who had a relationship with Jesus or some sort of you know, pivotal conversation with Jesus. And we asked ourselves, what can we learn from their encounters about our own encounters with Jesus? And then we also we talked about the idea of our soul, this place that responds to God in our life. And we talked about Sabbath as one of the practices that help us nurture a relationship with Jesus. So now we're going to make a transition. And for the rest of the summer, we're going to look at this idea of becoming like Jesus. We're going to look at a number of different character traits and passions and values that we see reflected in the life of Jesus. And we're going to challenge ourselves to ask the questions, are these my passions? Are these values in my life? Are these some of the character traits that people would um, understand me as they encounter me? And so we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to become like Jesus? And today I want to just sort of set the stage for that. But then the rest of the summer we're going to look at all these different attributes of, of, um, of a Christ follower. 
as a reflection of Jesus in their life. And I'm really excited about this summer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to do a sabbatical that's been long in coming. And um, I've invited a number of uh, guest teachers from our staff and from some area churches to come. And I've asked them to do one thing. Just share with the congregation your favorite character trait, value, or passion of Jesus. And we've already um, received the topics that they're going to be exploring. And I think you guys are in for a great summer. But let's, let's explore this idea of becoming like Jesus. You ready? Yeah. That didn't sound very ready. Yeah. All right, so here's, here's the truth. Is that every person in this room, every person watching online, most all of you, you have a person in your life or a number of people in your life that you admire. There's something about a person or maybe several people that you know or, or you're aware of and you admire them. And what I've found is that most people have a person or two that they admire. There's some people who don't admire anybody. Those people are arrogant, conceited, and narcissistic. They think that nobody's more admirable than them. And so they don't admire anybody else. And what's really interesting about that is that they long for the affirmation and admiration of others, but they'll never receive it. Because in their arrogance, in their conceit, they're not very admirable people. But most people aren't like that. Most people are humble enough that they can look at somebody else and admire something about them. So I want to begin there. So from time to time, we'll use a, a, a sentence like this. I really admire, and then we're either talking about a person or we're talking about a characteristic. Like I really admire John or Carol, or I really admire my boss at work, or I really admire a, a member of my, my sales team. Or you might answer the question this way or make the statement this way. I really admire people who are tenacious. I really admire somebody who's extremely patient. I really admire somebody who's just unusually kind and gracious to others. I'm a, I'm a member of a, a triathlon team, and I'm surrounded by these really t uh, talented triathletes. And so I, I could say I, I really admire Mark. I really admire Pablo. These are members of my team that I, I, I am really inspired by them. And I admire a certain characteristic. And, and two of the characteristics that I admire about people in life, and first of all, and I see this in some of my, my, uh, uh, the members of my triathlon team, I, is I really admire people who are consistently disciplined. Somebody who does the hard work but sticks with it over time. I really admire that. The other thing that I've learned that I admire, as I might admire people who have overcome insurmountable odds to accomplish something. I have a tremendous amount of admiration for somebody who's worked themselves through a really difficult challenge in life and done something really extraordinary. I admire that. So another way that we might say the sentence is, is I wish, I wish I was more like fill in the name of the person you admire, in the way that they behave, the characteristic or quality of their life that you find very admirable. Does that make sense? 
All right, now, I want to show you a list of words. And these are the kinds of things, you listening? These are the kinds of things that we can admire in somebody. Ready? We can admire character qualities or virtues. Sometimes the person that we admire, there's a character quality about their life that they go, I really wish I was more like them in that way. Or maybe somebody has an attitude that you admire. Maybe they're really positive. Maybe they're really upbeat. They're always energized. And you say, I really admire that in them. Maybe there's something that you see in somebody that reflects a deeply held value. Something's really important to somebody and you think, man, I wish I was more like them. I wish I valued the same kind of thing. And as a reflection of values, some people have a certain set of priorities and they seem very consistent and committed to those priorities and, and, you, and you admire that about them. Some people, they just have disciplines and habits. You think, oh, I wish I was more disciplined like that. I wish I, I wish I did those sorts of things regularly in my life. Or maybe sometimes what we see in somebody that we admire is we admire their passion, their zeal, their enthusiasm, their commitment to a cause or to a, a, a particular interest. And they're very passionate about it. They, they just don't seem to go back and forth on, on one or more things of their life. They're very passionate. And here's, I got some good news for you. Any of these sorts of things that you admire in somebody else? Are you listening? You listening? Any of these things that you admire in somebody else are all completely possible for you to live the same way. There isn't anything about a character quality, an attitude, a value, priority, habit, or passion that you too can't become. You may not be able to look like another person. You may not necessarily have the, the, the person's same name. You can't have their same story. You can't have their same educational experience. But you can have a character, quality, attitude, value, priority, habit, or passion of somebody else. It's completely possible. I've shared this story with you before. It's, it's, it's a formative story in my life. Uh, when I turned 50, I woke up one morning and I had this dawning that literally jolted me awake. And that dawning was, I now have less life ahead of me than I have behind me. I mean, the likelihood that I was going to live another 50 years is pretty small. And I remember thinking to myself, but there's so many more things that I want to do in life. There's so many more things that I want to be as a person in my life. That sent me off on a two-year period of deep reflection about my life and about how life works. And I was looking at some of these character qualities and some of these habits of my own life. And I thought, this isn't what I want to be. This isn't how I want to be. And I made some decisions about change. One of those decisions had to do with tackling a goal that I thought was impossible. At that time, I was 40 pounds overweight. It wasn't pretty. I was terribly out of shape. And I set a goal of becoming an Ironman athlete. Now, folks, I have to tell you the honest truth. I thought it was impossible. 
There's no way in the world. And one of the reasons why I thought it was impossible is because for the first 50 years of my life, I'd always been incredibly inconsistent at exercise. I've made the New Year's resolutions, you know, first of the New Year, oh, I'm going to get in shape. And I'd do it for about two weeks. And then I'd get bored or I'd get tired of it or I'd, it'd be too hot or too cold or too rainy. And, and I'd decide, you know what? I, I, and then two years later, I'm, I haven't made any progress. But I made a commitment that I wasn't going to stop what I needed to do until I accomplished that goal. Took me nine years. And I learned some things about myself in those nine years. And one of the most important lessons that I learned about myself and about other people in those nine years is that if we put our minds to something and we do the hard work, we can change. And then when you understand that as a Christian, you have the spirit of God in your life who wants to encourage and nurture change in your life, you can become any of these things that you determine to become. You can't look at somebody else and say, oh, I could never be as patient as they are. You can be. You can't look at somebody else and say, oh, I, I wish I was so positive and upbeat, but I guess I'm just grouchy. I guess I'm just going to be honorary the rest of my life. I guess I'm just always going to look at things from a negative perspective. And I say, it doesn't have to be like that. You can become the attitude that you admire in somebody else. And the same with this entire list. And I want to talk a little bit about how that happens, particularly how that happens in the life of a Christian. Here's the first thing that we have to understand. God's primary desire for his children is to become more like Jesus. Do you understand that? That your heavenly father, God, his greatest desire for you is for you to become more like his son, Jesus. Interesting passage in the book of Romans. The apostle Paul writes this. We know, we know this is faith. This is what our faith is built on. These facts about God. We know that in all things, the good things and the bad things, the easy things and the hard things, the encouraging things and the heartbreaking things. We know that in all things, God is always at work. God works and he's always at work for the good, for the good of your life, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we're talking about Christians and here's what a Christian knows by faith. God wants what's good for me. And he's at work in my life in order to accomplish his purpose. And what is his purpose? For those God foreknew, he predestined. He set a path toward them becoming conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. God's primary desire for you as a Christian is for you to become more like Jesus. So if that's true and we're Christ followers, then the next statement would be true. The primary desire of a sincere Christian 
is to become more like Jesus. Maybe it would be, maybe I should have written it. The primary desire of a sincere Christian ought to be to become more like Jesus. But one of the ways that we validate if in fact our faith in Jesus is sincere is by looking at what we desire. And the desire of a sincere follower of Jesus Christ is, I want to be like Jesus. So a Christian would answer the question, who do you admire? One of the people that they would admire is to say, I really admire Jesus. I wish I was more like him. Now, when some people hear the, the, the idea of being like Jesus, they go, oh, that's impossible. Why? Because of the things we know about Jesus. We believe historically as Christians that Jesus is God. Is God come to earth in human flesh and lived among us as human beings? Jesus is God and he's everything that God is. The second thing, because Jesus is God, as we know this is Jesus is perfect. And you go, I'll never be perfect. It's not about that. Because Jesus is God and Jesus is perfect, then what we have to understand is that every admirable, every noble, every good and healthy character quality, Jesus perfectly embodied it. Did you understand that? Because Jesus is God and because Jesus is perfect, then any admirable, noble kind of character trait or attitude or value or habit or passion, Jesus was the poster child for it. When it comes to patience, Jesus was the perfect example of patience. When it comes to um, honesty, Jesus was the perfect example of someone who's honest. When it comes to discipline, Jesus was the perfect example of someone who's disciplined. So, a few years ago, I got interested in this, this idea that Jesus is the perfect example of all that is good and right about the way that we live our life. And I started thinking, like, of all the character traits, Jesus was the perfect example. And I'm like, man, that's a really, really long list. Like, you name it, Jesus was that. And I thought, there's no way in the world I'll ever remember the entire list of all the character qualities. And so I, I spent a couple of months doing a study, particularly of the Gospels, and I asked myself, if I had to narrow it down to just five character qualities that Jesus perfectly exemplified, that is not to say he didn't exemplify all the others. I'm just saying, if I could only choose five, what would they be? In other words, what were the top five characteristics that were true about Jesus? You interested in seeing what I found out? Here's my suggestion. You may come up with a different five. But I think Jesus was the perfect example of these five things, as he was all the rest, but these five, I think, would be a great place to start. Jesus was compassionate, perfectly. Not only did he love, we know that to be true about him, but his love moved him to action. That's what compassion is. Is when you love somebody or something that you end up moving toward it to do something. Jesus was compassionate. He was perfectly an example of compassion. Secondly, 
Jesus is gracious. Grace that typified the way that Jesus went about living his life. He was gracious to every person that he met. He gave them this eternal-sized kindness. He never ran out of patience for them. He was always gracious. Jesus is gracious. It's one of the top five characteristics. Thirdly, Jesus is humble. He had this really remarkable perspective of who he was. And he kept it all within a a perfect balance. Number four, Jesus is unselfish. His entire life, his entire life was an example of giving his life away for the good of others. This fifth one, I think is really, really critical. And sometimes when Christians see this word, they go, oh, I, I, I don't think I could ever do that because we don't understand the word. But Jesus is holy. And I'm going to spend one of the weeks this summer talking about this idea of holiness. Holiness is not about being perfect. Jesus was perfect, but that's not what holy is about. Holy is about a level of devotion, a level of commitment. Jesus was completely devoted to a life of faith, trusting his father and doing what his father asked him to do. He was devoted to it. And you and I, we too can be devoted in our faith. That's what I want us to understand about this pursuit this summer. Is that Jesus is compassionate and I too can be compassionate Maybe that's not how I am right now, but if you desire to become more compassionate like Jesus was compassionate, you can become more compassionate. You might have to learn some things along the way. You might have to practice some stuff along the way, but God can do a work in your life to make you a more compassionate person. Jesus was gracious. He is gracious, and you too can be gracious. It's not a secret. Some Christians are really ungracious kind of people. They're judgmental. They're critical. They, they drive hard bargains for other people in their life. And they don't ever offer much grace. Well, you too can become a gracious person. Jesus is humble. You too can be a humble person. That's not a person who demeans or dismisses themselves. It's a person who has a healthy perspective on who they are in relationship to everybody else and who they are in relationship to God. And maybe you're arrogant. And maybe you're conceited. Maybe you're self-centered and self-absorbed. Well, you can become a humble person. Jesus is unselfish. <laughs> One of the biggest struggles of being human is that we can be incredibly selfish. And Christ invites us to be unselfish. I too can be an unselfish person with the work of Christ in my life. And finally, Jesus is holy. He's deeply devoted to the things that he believed to be true. I too can be a deeply devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? 
So this summer, as we explore these very character traits and attitudes and values and habits and passions of Jesus, I want us all to go in, all of us, the preacher included, I want us to go into this summer saying, if there's something that I admire that I'm not, with God's help, I can become, I, I can change in that regard. So here's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to show you three ways that we can become more like Jesus. Like three really practical steps that we can take to become more like Jesus. You guys interested? The first one is this. I can become more like Jesus by, just start here, learning more about what Jesus is like. Some people would have a hard time being more like Jesus because they don't know what Jesus was like. So we can start there. I can become more like Jesus just by giving myself to learning some more about what Jesus was like. There's a great passage in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in the first century. He writes this. So I tell you this. In fact, I insist on it. Like, this is really important, gang. You must no longer. He's writing to the church, Christians. You must no longer live as Gentiles do. Now, in this particular context he's using gentiles to describe people who don't believe in god or follow jesus and so paul is writing to the first century church he says we can't live our lives that way we can't live as gentiles because people outside of god they live in the futility of their own thinking their own categories their own paradigms they are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And because of that, they've lost all sensitivity. Anything goes. They don't care. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And, and they're, they're full of greed. Just in case you missed the language, let me highlight those words. Here's how Paul is describing people who are far from God. They live their lives in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God. The ignorance that is in them is enormous why because their hearts are hard they've lost all sensitivity they've they've like literally abdicated they've given themselves over to sensual kinds of life to indulge not just try out but to indulge every kind of impurity does that sound familiar is there a more apt description of the culture in which we live today? What we are seeing in technicolor in our society? And here's what's really disturbing for me as a pastor is I'm watching Christians want to adopt so much of the world's ways. In fact, not just adopt the world's ways. They're asking me to affirm and applaud the world's way and say, that's okay, God loves everybody. 
here's my problem with that is that people living their lives outside of the place of God in their life, they are futile in their thinking. Their understanding is from a dark place. They're separated from the life that God brings to human beings. They live their lives in an ignorance that reflects a heart that is hard. They've lost any kind of a moral check or boundary. They've just given their lives over to all sorts of sensuality and they pursue every kind of impurity. And so there are things about the way that our world lives that we as Christians, we don't seek to adopt and accept and applaud. We go, no, I can't live like that because I can't think like that. Does that make sense? So look at what Paul does in the next part of the passage. First of all, he says, we can't live like people who aren't followers of Christ. That, however, that way of life, that's not what you, uh, look, learned. At one time, people lived this way because that's all they knew. Their understanding was darkened. Their mind was full of error and lie and deception. But evidently in the church at Ephesus, people began to learn new ways of thinking about things. That's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And then you gave yourself to learning by being taught in him in accordance with the truth, the truth that is in Jesus. Church at Ephesus, you were taught. You gave yourself to learning from others who could tell you more about what Christ was like. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Yeah, we're, we're putting that off. We're not living that way anymore. We're putting off our old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. We're learning a way of life to be made new in what? <gasps> An attitude. We used to have these kinds of attitudes, but in Christ we can have new attitudes, a new attitude of your mind. And to put on a, a new self, a new way of living, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you understand that? That what Paul is saying is that one of the ways that we can become more like Jesus is we can learn a lot more about what Jesus was like. Here's the second way. I can become more like Jesus by, well, just imitating how Jesus lived. If I learned some things about the way that Jesus lived, I could at least try to imitate him. Look, look, it's all through the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote to the early church, follow my example as I'm doing what? As I follow the example of Christ. The Apostle Paul says, and at one time in his life, the Apostle Paul was incredibly arrogant, incredibly conceited. And he learned that Jesus was humble. And so he began the journey of becoming more like Jesus by just following the example of Christ in humility. So Paul writes to the church, follow my example, because all I'm doing is I'm just trying to follow the example of Jesus. Whoever claims to live in Jesus, 
Well, they must live as Jesus did. I can learn to imitate what Jesus was like. Look at this, Ephesians chapter five, Paul writes, follow God's example. As dearly loved children, as, as children looking up to their father and, and, and learning from him, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love because that's God's example. Follow in the way of love, walk in the way of just as, well, just like Christ loved us. He loved us so much he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He was, he, he was sacrificial. He was unselfish. And that's the example he set for us. And, and we can do that too, just by mimicking it. It's interesting, this, this phrase right here, follow God's example. It's also translated, be imitators of God. This word, example and imitators, is a Greek word, mimitai. If you just sound it out, you can start to see the word mimic or imitate in that Greek word. The phrase is to imitate or mimic what we know about Jesus. is the idea of a positive sense of emulating a pattern set by an admired mentor. So as we learn more about Jesus and we start to distinguish characteristics that um, defined his life, then I can just say, well, if Jesus was humble... I need to work on becoming more humble. If Jesus was patient, then I need to work on being more patient. You ready? You ready? If Jesus didn't worry, I need to work on stop worrying. We, we, can't, just, we can't just say, well, that's, that's the way I am. I, I learned it from my mom. Okay, but now we're not learning from your mom anymore. You're learning from Jesus. And Jesus said... Quit being so afraid. Trust me with your life. So if we read this. To this you were called. Like this is the beckoning work of Jesus in our life. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So one of the ways that we can become more like Jesus in his character and his passions and his values is that we can learn what those character traits and passions and values were the other way is i can just as i learn i can just say well i'm i'm going to endeavor to live my life more consistently the way that i see jesus living his the third one is this i can become more like jesus by submitting to the work of jesus in my life you see, when, when you and I begin a relationship with Jesus, this remarkable miracle takes place. The scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And his primary function is to help. Help with what? To help us, you ready? To help us to become more like Jesus. God living inside of us in the expression of the Holy Spirit to help us to become more like Jesus. So when we read our Bible, we're giving ourselves to the work that Jesus might want to do in us. When we pray, we're giving ourselves to the work that Jesus might want to do in our life. And when we give ourselves to learning what it is to walk by the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to have influence in our life, we're giving ourselves to the work of Jesus in our life. So we read passages like this, and Paul writes to the church at Rome, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, 
but, but be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's the place of scripture informing us in our faulty thinking and the lies that we've believed and the deception that we've allowed to have an influence on our life. Now we can be transformed by learning new ways of thinking as informed by the work of Jesus in our life. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for how you are to live your life. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. We'll talk more about this as we explore this idea of becoming more like Jesus. But the work of the Holy Spirit, for some of you that may sound so mysterious and so vague and you don't know what that is, that's okay. It's okay. We'll learn more about that this summer. But look at this. This is part of what the Holy Spirit brings about in our life. The fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that the Spirit's in there and at work. Ah, look at that list of character traits. Love and joy and peace forbearance it's able to endure through hard things and put up with stuff that you don't necessarily like kindness goodness just sort of a good quality of of the rich way you go about living your life faithfulness faithfulness in your marriage faithfulness to your kids faithfulness to integrity gentleness boy if our world needs anything right now we just need some more gentle people and self-control maybe we should spend a little less time trying to control other people and learn how to control ourselves that's what the holy spirit does is he helps us with the idea of controlling ourselves. does that make sense So we're talking about change. We're talking about things that we might come to admire about Jesus and seeing if we, in fact, can't learn to reflect that in our own life as followers of Jesus. And there's three ways that we can do it. We can first of all start by learning. Then we can just try mimicking, just imitating it, just practicing it till we get better at it. And then we can give ourselves to the work of Jesus in our life, the, the spirit of God to bring about that, that transformation of our mind and our heart so that we become better reflections of Jesus. All right, you ready? Got an exercise for you. It's not burpees. Because I hate burpees. It's that little jump at the end. It's like, ugh. Okay, um, I got an exercise for you. You, you don't have to do this, okay? It, it's, it's just a way. I want you to look at this list. Compassionate, gracious, humble, unselfish, devoted. And we'll add a sixth one because Jesus was such a perfect example of it. Forgiving. You see the list? A head nod or something, all right? See the list? We're almost done. We're almost done. See the list? If you were to choose one of these, one of these character traits, if you were to choose one and commit this summer, in my journey of following Christ, I, I'm going to endeavor to learn more about one of these. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endeavor to mimic one of these. I, I'm going to endeavor to ask God to be at work in my heart and life to make me more like Jesus in one of these areas. Make sense? All right, so here's what I want you to do. Sometime today, take out your phone. On your front of the, the creek, you'll find a QR code. Here's all I'm asking. This is so painless. Doesn't involve any money. Okay, it's just it's easy. You, you follow that QR code, it's going to take you to a survey. An anonymous survey. It's going to ask you three questions. You can do it in about 10 seconds. Three questions. Okay, just to be honest with you, the way you answer the third question will initiate a fourth question. So there'll be a total of four questions. And it's going to ask you, essentially, if you were to go on this journey with us this summer, what's one of these character traits that you'd be willing to endeavor to grow and to learn and become more like Jesus? Make sense? So simple. Now here's where it gets complicated. Because we want to keep it anonymous... But at the same time, we want to come back at the end of the summer and do a second survey to see how we did. You have to give us two words that will help you remember how you answered the first survey. Two words. If, if you don't mind us knowing who you are, you can just use your name. If you say, I don't want them to know who I am, okay, then just use your mother's maiden name. Because the best we could figure, everybody has one. A mother who has a maiden name, okay? So your mother's maiden name. That way, at the end of the summer, when we do the survey again, and we ask for those two words so we can see how you made progress and still protect your anonymity, you can go, oh, what were my two words? I can't remember. Oh, no, just do your mother's maiden name. All right, and just use that. Does that make sense? That's pretty simple. You guys are intelligent people. All right. I invite you, just, just give it a try. Just give yourself to learning some new things this summer and trying some new things this summer and asking God to create some new things in you this summer. Because that's really, at the end of the day, why we're here is to help all of us to make some progress to becoming more like Jesus because that's what God wants for us. Make sense? All right, let me ask you to stand together. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we stand here in this room right now and in various degrees, we make ourselves available. Asking you to teach us more about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and to give us some, some willpower to just try and to invite your spirit to be at work in our hearts that we might end this summer in a little different place than when we began because we ask for your spirit to be at work in our life. Do some amazing things. Write some wonderful stories. I pray and ask in the name of Christ, the Lord and Savior. Amen.